Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today, we're going to learn who Molly Gallagher is. Molly Gallagher, my partner. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Molly has done. So Molly's a phenom. Molly's been in the industry for more than a half a dozen years. And um, during that time period, she's built a great stable of clients. She typically does, let's say, 10 to 20 million a year in sales, plus supports what the entire team does. She has a wonderful stable of clients. And to Molly's credit, she works with people that have $100,000 homes, and she works with people that have $3 million homes, and everybody's treated the same. No disrespect intended, but who really cares about that? Let's talk a little bit about who Molly the person is. Hi, Molly. Hi, Rick. Thank you for doing this. This is going to be fun. This will be. So every interview is a little bit different. And kind of purposely, the format's a little bit different because I want to tailor it to who I'm talking with. And I was thinking, as it relates to you, there are two aspects of you that really jump out to me that have been such pleasant surprises as a partner. And they're your positivity and your graciousness. But rather than just talk about how positive you are and how gracious you are, let's go back and talk about your journey and how you ended up being so positive and so gracious. Because the one thing I've learned in life is that most of the positive traits that we have are developed. They're earned, they're developed. So kind of let's go back, because everybody assumes that your career was just a glide path to what you're doing now, that everything came easy, and that everything just kind of falls into place. So let's just kind of take you back to when you were growing up. What was that like? Um, you know, on the outside, if you, I grew up in Shorewood, Wisconsin, and I'm the oldest of five kids. For a long time, there were just three of us in the family. My three siblings were born within a matter of three years. Cute little salt box colonial house. But Underneath the surface, which I didn't really find out about until I was in about fourth grade, was that my dad was an alcoholic. And my mom did a phenomenal job of sort of, of hiding that until an incident came out that, you know, she couldn't hide it anymore. And he had actually left, had gotten into trouble with something and was gone for a week. Nobody knew where he was. And that's when I became her confidant about, you know, what had gone on. And from that point on, she relied on me all the time for... And how old are you? Fourth grade. Wow. So nine, I think, nine-ish. My father subsequently came back, got some treatment. And as far as we knew, for, for years, he was sober. But 
He wasn't. You know, he told us later that there was probably only a period of time that he was sober for six months and, you know, but hid it masterfully as they, as they do. And my parents went on to have two more boys. I'm 10 and 12 years older than those brothers. We're all super close. She developed breast cancer when, while she was carrying my youngest brother, Kevin, and she was 34. She had it for five years and died when she was 39 years old. So um, I was 17, and she, before she died, she said, well, before she, like, slipped into a coma, she said, you're going to have to take care of your dad and the kids. And I told her I would, and within 12 hours, she was in a coma and died, you know, 48 hours later. So, but you asked about the positivity, we're going to come back to that. Okay. So, <laughs> Keep uh, going. We're going to weave that in, right? All right. So, you know, things got tumultuous. People always assume that my father became an alcoholic because my mom died, which people who know alcoholics, it, you know, it doesn't just like switch on someday. So I tried to carve out this sort of normal life for myself and went to the University of Wisconsin and got there as a freshman thinking this was going to be great, but it was really hard to leave my two younger brothers knowing that they were sort of going to be left into a situation where I wasn't really sure how things were going to, going to go. Because you were kind of mother, father, sister. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, but I thought I'm going to give this the old, you know, no pun intended, college try and go off to Madison. So about a week into school, I get this. This was when you got notices in your mailbox that my tuition hadn't been paid. So, you know, one more time of a financial disappointment. And so I got three jobs and I was a front desk clerk at the Edgewater Hotel. I uh, worked for the alumni association. It was called Wisconsin Calling, calling up people, dialing for dollars. And I worked at a tanning, a tanning salon, which was, you know, people thought that was kind of fun. Back then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, and, you know, and I just, I just thought I just had to make it work. And, and I just kept moving forward and, and it did. I made it through sophomore year. And when I started my junior year, my brother, he's only a year younger than I am, called me up and said, I just found some. Uh, papers on dad's dresser and the house is being sold at a sheriff's auction. And we just thought, what the hell? So I left school, came home. We did a big intervention with my dad. We told him not only did he have to get well, but he had to live on his own before he could come back. I had had an internship that summer and I took that, they hired me full time. And so we really were like that show party of five. So my brother, Patrick, and I had jobs and we had family around, but I think we had done such a good job of demonstrating that we could sort of survive in this unit that there was, you know, oversight by aunts and uncles, but we stayed there and through the good graces of um, a great family friend at Park Bank and another family friend, we were able to... Uh, keep the house. And my sister was in high school and my brothers were in grade school. And we were like 
a little family. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, first of all, it's very brave for you to share that. And I don't think anybody can look at you the same way when they know what you've been through. And we're going to come back to the positivity in a second. So what did, what did that feel like? Like to be a, I mean, you were a little kid. You, you just had your driver's license and you're taking on these burdens. What was that like? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My um, One of my aunts always used to say I was an old soul, and I sort of somewhat believe that. Like, I feel like there was just this inner compass that I wouldn't have let it be any other way. And and we all get along so well still to this day. You know, we're each other's best friends. And I kept going. And, you know, with the hope, you know, it was always, I always pictured how my life was going to be later. Mm -hmm. And I think I just kept on that path. Yeah. And you know how some people get embarrassed about things? And we just said we lived in a fishbowl. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew our entire story. You know, oh, there's the people, oh, their mom died, oh, the dad's an alcoholic. It's like, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> just sure. keep going to the grocery store, keep mm -hmm. doing what you're doing. Um, well, that experience could tear siblings apart or it could bring them together. And I think bringing them together is more unusual. I mean, it speaks to you and all your siblings. And I have to tell you that before you, I didn't know any of them, but I've been at a number of events, either out or at your house, where one or more of them are there. And there's an energy whenever you're around your siblings. I mean, it really is special. And um, it, it's nice to be a part of that when you're together. It really is. There's just something very special there. Yeah. Um my husband actually joked we had a a pest problem in the house, and I said, "Well, you know, it was really interesting. the um, The pest guy said that mice only travel in a seven to ten foot radius, and he said, "Oh, just just like the voice." <laughs> and we all laughed. It's like, "Oh, yeah, you're pretty much right. We do." But I think there's some strength from that. And the other thing, you know, just to shout out to my dad and my mom. Strangely, you know, many people suffer from parents who have alcoholism. He never said a bad word to any of us. He was always very complimentary, supportive. He was not, I've saw him drunk twice in my life. Wow. You know, it was such a hidden addiction that, um, and we do think that that has had an effect. Sure. You know, he wanted to, he, at any time he could, he would compliment or, mm. you know, talk about us to other people. And, you know, part of the tragedy of timing is that there's all sorts of help now um, because people are more open and comfortable talking about anxiety or depression or whatever he was dealing with. And back then, your right. medicine was alcohol. And now you have all sorts of opportunities and men in particular are um, encouraged to seek that out, to be open, to be vulnerable. And he grew up, you know, in an era where that wasn't, that wasn't acceptable. Right. I mean, we, we think about that. We used to have this pretend game, you know, my brother would say, God, Dad was such a trickster. I just found out he has this giant trust fund he left us all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and we'd, you know, have a good laugh about that, but... Um, so you have a saying that I love. 
Um, so share that saying, and then let's talk about where that came from. Um, okay, so I always say the more fun you have, dot, 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 the more fun you have. And my nephew asked me the other day, he's like, I love when you say that, but I don't understand actually what it means, Auntie Mal. <laughs> I said, well, let me explain something. I said, you know when you and your buddies go outside and you play football outside and you have a great time and, you know, a new neighbor comes over and he joins the game. And then because it was so fun, the next day he rings your doorbell and says, you know, hey, that was really great. Do you want to go do that again? And you go out and maybe now this time you even meet a different person or you guys come up with a different game. And he said, oh, I get it. I said, mm. see, you know, people who go out and make a, a point of having fun somehow end up having more fun. So, Absolutely. And, it, and it started on a ski trip that we were all on, incidentally, as children who didn't have much growing up. All five of us learned to ski as adults. And it's something that we all like to do together now. Sure. So my dad's version was smile and the world smiles back. And it's kind of a somewhat similar strain and it's just, it's just true. Um, so let's jump to the positivity thing. So you had this unusual, challenging childhood that somehow you made special, which is a tribute to you and your siblings and your support around you. You're, you know, I was going to say one of the most positive people I've met, but you and my father are the two most positive people I've ever met. So where does that come from? That's a big compliment. You know, I think a couple of things. Like I said, even though my childhood was laced with this underlying tension, there was a lot of wonderful love given, you know, time spent together and, and told that I was a good person. And then I think it's just a desire to feel good. You know, and one of my things is I always want people to feel better after they've been with me, not worse. Mm. I don't know why that's making me well up. <laughs> there you have it. Because sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Right? right. Yeah. We've worked together for two years. If somebody said, I'll give you a million dollars if you could tell me over the last two years, any day that Molly had a bad day. Circle it on the calendar. Tell me what day <laughs> she had a bad day. I'm sure you had plenty of them. We all do. We're very close, right? I couldn't, I couldn't tell somebody for a million dollars. And that goes back to that positivity and thoughtfulness and caring and wanting to make the people around you mm -hmm. feel good. Well, there's another saying that we have. I actually think it's... Uh comes from Gary Keller, from Keller Williams, you know, what you focus on expands. And I say that to my kids all the time. You know, you can get yourself down a rabbit hole about something that's troubling, or you can move on and look at something more positive, and it just totally shifts the paradigm and shifts your mood. And the more quickly I can do that, and it doesn't mean that I'm ignoring something that's troubling. And you even taught me that, you know, you, you recognize something that's an issue, you examine it, what's the A? Accept it. Accept it, and then let it go. And I think that's where a lot of the positivity comes from, you know, with my dad. It's like, here we are, I can go down a spiral about this, 
or we can just keep moving forward. Well, I think having gone through that experience as your partner, I see that anything that comes up, you truly believe that you can do it. You can get through it. You can accomplish it. It's not going to be easy. You might not have all the answers, but you're going to find them and you're going to get through it. And nothing's insurmountable. And I think that's contagious. You know, that attitude is contagious and other people, other people take that on. So people often ask me if, if I'm doing what I thought I would be doing and where I thought I would be. And my answer is always, I thought my life would be totally different, but it's so much better than I ever expected. And you have this wonderful life now. I mean, you, you have a great career. You have wonderful kids. You have a terrific husband. You have this mixed family that all gets along. What's life like now? You know, interestingly, it's sort of like how I saw it. You know, I have um, four kids. My husband has four kids. So together we have eight, which is crazy when you say that out loud. And, you know, it takes a lot of bandwidth to think about each of their emotional needs and, you know, fit that into my life. But it is what I, I always thought I would have at least three or four kids, which I have. I, at one time, had thought I would live in New York City. And when I was in college, deluding myself that my life was normal, <laughs> I, I wanted to go into advertising, which I think I would have been great at. I mean, I, I have a real creative side that, um, that, you know, would have suited that well. But it's also what's great about being in sales. I knew that I would work at some point and have, you know, some kind of a career. I had financial milestones in my head about someday I'm going to make X. And then when you make that, you say right. someday I'm going to make X. And I've hit all of those. And, you know, particularly as a woman with some kind of tough times, I'm, I'm proud of how it's all turned out. And I love Milwaukee. I really do. Um, I always, I'm happy to have clients come here and I always want to put it in the best light. And I'm proud of where it's come from when I was little. Sure. So one of the other things I teased in the beginning of our conversation was your graciousness. So you're an incredibly gracious hostess. It seems to be something that you really enjoy. And when you host something small or large, it's terrific and wonderful to be there. Talk about where that comes from. Not how you do it, but where does that come from? Well, it's funny that you, you know, have taken me on this journey back to when I was younger, because that's where part of the, my aunt having the comment about being an old soul, if my mom had a friend come over or something, I would always go in the house and get some crackers and some, you know, at the time it was, you know, Merck's cheese or whatever it was back in the seventies and like bring out this little tray, you know, and I have no idea where it came from. That's sweet. <laughs> and it's still how I am. I mean, you know, you know, and my kids' friends always laugh that there's bowls of nuts on my counter all the time. And I think it's just that I love when people come together and kind of gather and there's a, an intimacy that comes and sort of a letting down when you're kind of snacking and together and 
And I, and I think I've just always, I always want to try to create that subconsciously, but then it's become, you know, something I just do. Yeah. It's really nice. It's nice to be a part of. So I didn't make up this line. I can't take credit for it, but it's perfect for you. And when people ask me what it's like to work with you, in addition to your positivity and the fun we have, um, I always say that Molly does everything I do, but she does it in heels, <laughs> you know? which is it's a shorthand version of me really just giving credit to the fact that you are a business person. You always have time for people on our team, for our customers, whatever anybody needs. You're a wife. You're a mother. You're a friend. How do you do it all? I mean, is it, is it, you make it look easy, but it can't be. Um, yeah, you know, some days it's better than others, but, uh, my mom was the type of person and, you know, you grow up at somebody's heels, literally, like you said. And she was a look good, feel good kind of a person. You know, she always put herself together in the morning, you know, got dressed, put on lipstick. You know, that was sort of her way of kind of getting into the day. And I do the same thing. And it's not like you're trying to cover anything up because, like I said, you know, I lived in the fishbowl. But it's just, um, I like to have fresh flowers at my house. You know, it's just an extension of sort of the aesthetic way I live my life, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I love clothes and fashion. And I managed when I was dirt poor at Madison to be named the most Vogue in my sorority. And I, I, I only say that not to brag, but just to say that I did it with like zero right. money, <laughs> So however people thought it all worked out looking good, you know, but I did think at one point too, that it would have been great to like be in New York and somehow be involved in the fashion world. Right. Well, I feel incredibly fortunate. Our team feels incredibly fortunate. Our clients feel incredibly fortunate. And thank you for being you. And thank you for sharing what you've overcome, what the struggles have been. and. You are a prime example of perseverance, of overcoming, and of really remaining positive and focusing on what you have and what you can give rather than what you didn't have and what you didn't get. And we can all learn a lot from you. Thanks a lot, Rick. It means so much to me. And um, let's keep having fun. (laughs) The more fun you have. The more fun you have. (laughs) So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer. No sleep for creating the music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you. Thank you.